0: Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. When you go fill up your gas tank with gas at the station, or if you have an electric car and you charge it, do you only charge it or fill it up enough to have maybe a day or two of fuel left? Probably not. Most of us like to either fully charge or fully fill up the gas tank. But unfortunately, the same cannot be said for our blood supply. Today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Kim Ann Wen from the Blood Bank Hawaii about why we really can only have a couple of days of supply around at any given time, and how short we've gotten in the last couple of months of our blood supply throughout the islands. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Wen.
1: Great to be here. Thank you.
0: Now, you know, when I go food shopping, I don't just buy food for today. I tend to buy food for the next week or so. But we can't do the same thing with blood. When we think about trying to keep blood around so that we have enough to service our community, how much of a blood supply do we normally have on hand?
1: I know what you mean about the uh, Costco-sized pantry. I I wish we could store that here, but most people would be shocked to know that the blood bank of Hawaii only has 3 days blood supply at any one point in time. That's when times are good. That's right. Just 3 days.
0: And if we ever had some kind of major catastrophe and there was a huge problem or we had, you know, cut off of supply from elsewhere, that could really have a huge impact if we have big traumas and we have a huge demand on blood supply. That's right. So, all overall, I would I would like to say that
1: the state of Hawaii has a week's blood on hand. So three days or half of that here at the blood bank of Hawaii and half of that on the shelf, right, ready to go at the hospitals.
0: That's it. Well, and when you're already in the hospital and you need blood, if it's a trauma, you need it now and you can't really wait for it to come from elsewhere. Blood's not the only thing that the blood bank of Hawaii helps to collect and and takes the donations for when people decide and hopefully more people will donate blood they're donating more than just blood itself what exactly is the process of blood donation and what sort of things can you keep and for how long that's a great question so um you know blood has whole blood
1: that comes out of your veins uh, has three major components. It has the red stuff, which are actually living red cells that carry oxygen to your brain and all your organs that keeps you alive. And so that's the red stuff, and that's what we have about one-week supply here in the state of Hawaii. But then there's also the liquid part of blood, the plasma. Good news with plasma is that it can be frozen, and we keep about 2 weeks' supply on hand. So plasma, we, we have more of a supply of that. And plasma is really helpful for burns, it's helpful for liver transplant patients, um, and, and it can be helpful for bleeding. And then the third part, which is the most fragile, is what we call platelet, platelets. And they're bits of cells that help with clotting. They only last five to seven days and so we only have a couple days supply of platelets and they help chemotherapy patients with leukemia. They help patients who are going in for open heart surgery, the very sickest of the sick. So um, here at the Blood Bank of Hawaii, um, it's some pretty high tech stuff that we do to separate out the blood into the components that are needed.
0: And so, luckily, if you have enough folks that are able to donate, you can actually, with every donation, split that into red blood cells, platelets, and what we call fresh frozen plasma in the hospital setting. So, there would hopefully be enough if anyone needed it. But, you know, your usual sources through COVID haven't really been available. The usual folks the high school students, those that are universities, big businesses, they really haven't had the ability to have big blood drives like they used to be able to do because of gathering and a variety of other reasons why that may not be possible. They used to supply a fairly significant amount of blood donations every year, huh? That's right. So if you ask, gee,
1: where does Hawaii's blood supply come from? Well, the good news is um, we're a in, native industry. Hawaii's blood supply is walking around. Um, but if you look at where it's coming from, think of it as a pyramid. And the base of the pyramid, the broadest part, is all reliable, meaning year in, year out, it's the, the biggest part that supplies our blood. And that consists of neighbor island drives, blood drives, That's about 20% normally before COVID. High schools, they bring in, believe it or not, 13% colleges, big churches, and big businesses. Altogether, that base is about a third of our blood supply, and they are usually planned, reliable, and regular. What COVID did was it completely disrupted that base. And so high schools are gone Colleges haven't done a blood drive since, mostly since March of 2020, and then we've had to cut back our neighbor island drives in half. So you can see that that has really, really hurt the blood supply and made it so much more perilous
0: and more vulnerable. Well, and particularly because people who are sick, they can't come and donate who already are home quarantined with COVID. Or if there's a lot of infections, the schools have gone virtual, so they wouldn't necessarily have the ability to go ahead and bring in students in a group environment. Now, for people who want to donate, there are protocols that keep them safe. They don't have to worry about getting exposed. This is something that, you know, when we talk about blood donation, there's already been some really good safety protocols throughout that whole time, even before COVID, right? That's right. Right. So from the beginning, one of the
1: commitments that we made to this community, our community, is we don't want any blood donor to ever catch COVID from donating blood. And so we fortunately, knock on wood, have made good on that commitment. So from the beginning, we completely overhauled our donation areas and our donor rooms so that we have physical distancing personal protective equipment, and now we've enhanced that even more and enhanced hygiene and cleaning. And so we really have made it as safe as possible. And then our staff are also fully vaccinated. um, And so our staff have been protected, which further protects our donors.
0: Now, where are the donation centers for somebody who says, oh, I normally would give it my workplace, but now I'm working from home? How can they easily find a place to donate? So um, check our, our uh, website at
1: bbh.org. That's Blood Bank Hawaii, bbh.org. So um, our two fixed sites are Young Street Donor Center in Mo'iliili and then um, Dillingham Donor Center. That's our headquarters on Dillingham. But with the pandemic, we also stood up some pop-up donation centers. So one of them is Huekele, one of them is Windward Mall, and then our new one is Kapolei Commons. So um, there is a site near your neighborhood.
0: Well, and that's important for folks who, you know, maybe as a group effort, they want to go ahead and collectively get together and decide they're going to donate and, you know, if anybody has a loved one in the hospital, these days you can't necessarily visit in large groups, but you could do a donation to to the Blood Bank Hawaii as a way to thank the medical community for taking care of your loved one.
1: That's right. You know, it's so hard um, for those of us who have a loved one that's in the hospital because with the, with the protocols right now, just... Everyone is so limited um some hospitals right now don't allow any visitors at all, and so what I would say is, if you can visit your loved one, think of donating in their honor and that way, when you're on the chair, um put your your good thoughts, your karma. And close your eyes and put it all into your donation and um, put that spirit of goodwill in. And when it goes into up to three or more patients, um, it'll go with you.
0: Well, it's a great way to honor all of those who have taken care of the people who are sick in the hospital, all the way from the doctors, the nurses, the housekeeping staff security everybody down the line what a great way to honor all of their efforts i'm dr kathleen kozak you're listening to the body show when we come back we're going to continue our discussion with dr kim ann wen from blood bank hawaii about blood types which one tends to be the one we need the most and why actually the answer to that is all of them we'll be right back stay with us
1: Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hastings and
0: Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Dr. Kim Ann Wen on the line from Blood Bank Hawaii. And we're talking about the need to keep our blood supply sufficient to handle the needs of our neighbor islands and our local community right here on Oahu and really figure out ways that we can keep everyone healthy and whole and make sure that we share this precious resource when it's needed. Now, right before the break, we talked about what people could do to honor a loved one or the medical community that's serving them, and that is to find a donation site and consider being a blood donor. Now, just some curious questions that I've had people ask me. Do you have to know your blood type before you go donate blood, or is that a way you can find out your blood type?
1: great way to find out your blood type it's one of the first things
0: we do is uh, take your blood type and is there any particular blood type that we need more than any other the most common blood type here in the islands that we find that people have is what exactly
1: so um, uh, uh, let me answer the first question is there a blood type that we need the most and that one's easy it's your blood type there you go it's
0: every blood type
1: we need your blood type the most. But, yes, so um, what is Hawaii's uh, most common blood type? Um, it's actually a very narrow win for O. O-pos is a very narrow win, and very, very close second is A-pos.
0: So this would be folks that commonly have this particular blood type, and that blood can be used for other individuals too. Is that Right. That's right. So
1: we often say that type O is the universal donor. That means that if I'm type O, uh, I can give my red cells to donors of any type, O, A, B, or AB. But that's for red cells. So we talked about plasma, the liquid part of blood. For plasma, it's the opposite. For plasma, the universal donor is AB. And so um, the universal type for plasma for, to give burn patients is AB. So you can see that really um, the universal type, it depends on the, the component that you need. So I say that every type is rare and every type is the type that is needed.
0: Now, do platelets have to be cross-matched?
1: They do not. So, Blood Bank of Hawaii used to collect platelets or make platelets from whole blood. But now, 100% of the platelets that we collect come from automation. It's from a machine. And with this new technology, they have so few contaminating cells, red cells or white cells. They're so pure that they do not need to be cross-matched, and they are pure of white cells. So, um, new technology at the Blood Bank of Hawaii.
0: Well, it's good to hear that advances are happening in blood. It's one of those few resources that there really isn't any other way other than humans to be able to provide that. And for anybody who has family members on chemotherapy, for example, this is a situation where platelets are desperately needed at times, particularly when people have had their levels go down because they're responding to the treatments they're being provided. So one of the ways you can honor some of your family members who might have gone through cancer treatments is also to decide you want to be a regular blood donor, whether it be platelets or whole blood or any of the above, that that's another Another way to honor all the work that's been put in to help take care of them throughout their time dealing with their medical illness.
1: Yes, so I have, uh, unfortunately, friends and a couple family members who um, have needed platelets, many platelets, to support their lives. And um, they were amazed to find out that a platelet donor gives up up to three hours of their time, three hours for each donation. And all they get is a thank you, some juice, and cookies. And some of our amazing, amazing donors do this 24 times a year, every two weeks, year after year. Those are my personal heroes.
0: Well, and I think they can also take credit in helping to save lives here, right here locally at home. I think that sense of goodwill that they generate by giving of their time and by doing it consistently is also a benefit in and of itself. There's, there's a definite positive feeling that people can get. And if you ever doubt, am I important? Yes, you are. And if you if you ever wonder, does donating my platelets make a difference? Absolutely, it could. It really could mean the difference between life and death for people here right in your neighborhood.
1: Absolutely. You know, I spoke to uh, several of our longtime donors and uh, we added up all the blood that they have donated throughout their many years of donating. And uh, I actually looked up all the hospitals where we sent all their blood and they were shocked to realize that their blood went to every single hospital on every island in Hawaii. every single hospital, and it was just by random because they had donated so much.
0: Wow. What a tribute to those folks who were able to to help out in all of our local communities. Now, I'm curious because we also, the Blood Bank of Hawaii also covers Guam. I can't say that I knew that. That's right. So
1: um, starting in 2014, 2015, Blood Bank of Hawaii began to serve um, a hospital in Guam, and that has been a partnership that has been growing over the years. And so, um, yeah, so the people of Guam really have come to depend on that daily direct flight between Honolulu and Guam.
0: Their lives could depend on it, literally.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And so we not only send red cells, but all components, red cells, platelets,
0: and plasma. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about the process of donating blood. How long does it really take to recover? Are there any restrictions on who can donate? And we'll remind people again of where they can go if they feel so inclined to honor a loved one or medical professionals that have helped take care of their loved ones or even themselves and be one of our blood donors. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
1: Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Chaminade University.
0: Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Dr. Kim Ann Wen on the line from Blood Bank Hawaii. And right before the break, we were talking about how we service not just all of the neighbor islands, Oahu, but also Guam with our blood supply and how that's important to save the lives of people all across the Pacific. Now, I'm curious, Dr. Wen. sometimes people think they can't donate because of certain restrictions, but the actual number of restrictions for donors is pretty small. What are some of the common things that you hear that people thought would make them excluded but actually doesn't?
1: One of the biggest ones is um, medications that they're on. So I hear all the time, oh, well, you know, um, I'm diabetic and I have to take um, pills for my diabetes or I have to take pills for my blood pressure or cholesterol. Those are all fine if you're well and healthy. They're really all fine. I sometimes hear, well, you know, I've actually... um, had a heart attack in the past or some previous illness, but I'm recovered, and i'm fine now um, really as long as you're you're healthy and well um, um, most people would be many people would be surprised to hear that they are eligible.
0: What if someone had just recovered from covid?
1: Great question, so we absolutely welcome. People who have recovered from COVID, um, just give yourself four weeks or so to recover, and um, you'll be fine. In fact, if you've recovered from COVID, your blood has antibodies, and actually that could be beneficial. Very well could be.
0: Is there an age limit?
1: Um, So the youngest age, the minimum age is 16 with parental consent, and I love hearing this because I'm not getting any younger.
0: There is no maximum age. I'm not getting any younger either. Good to know there's no age limit at all. And what if somebody has a travel history? Does that affect things at all? Yes, um, it it can
1: um, affect things. So um, what the Food and Drug Administration really is concerned about is, number one, trends transfusion-transmitted diseases like parasites, bacteria, or viruses. So there are some travel restrictions, and we are working hard, and FDA actually has uh, also worked hard to get the data to move towards as few restrictions as possible. So um, malaria travel, for instance, um, CJD, That's uh, mad cow disease and a couple of other uh, travel restrictions. But um, it's best to check on our website. So if you go to bbh.org, there's a nice website that you can click on, um, blood donation and am I eligible.
0: Well, and it sounds like some of the things people might have thought, age or, you know, whether or not their prior medical history or even having COVID could have an impact. Uh, Those are some of the common things that people ask, and all of those folks could potentially donate. So there's, there's definitely availability that people may not have thought of before. Are there limits with, if somebody comes in, sometimes I'll have patients say, I went to go donate blood and my blood pressure was too high. So what are some of the logistical restrictions for anemia or blood pressure or something that might be measured while they're Coming to have their blood taken that 's a
1: great question. The number one reason for deferral um, with the with the physical exam is the hemoglobin, and so you know as as a woman whose hemoglobin traditionally runs low myself that definitely can be an impediment to blood donations, especially for us women. And so recent research has shown that, um, especially if I've been a blood donor in the past and I donate a lot, taking iron supplementation is the best way to increase my hemoglobin safely. Of course, you want to talk to your doctor um, to check, but. Um, just regular iron supplementation, one-a-day vitamin um, is a great way to to um, supplement your iron. Another thing is um, to make sure that you are well hydrated before you come in. And then for blood pressure, I would say if, if you know that you run high on your blood pressure, just remember to take your blood pressure meds.
0: Well, and that brings up another point. If you're going to go ahead and donate blood, do take your regular medication unless told otherwise. That's right. And people would be surprised. There are very, very few medications
1: that would really defer blood donors nowadays.
0: Well, so as long as your blood pressure is adequate and you're you're doing well and your hemoglobin is adequate, you too... Could be a donor, which I think is really important for folks to remember that some of the restrictions from when you might have been young and they're not there anymore. There's definite availability for people to donate blood. Now, how much do people donate at any given time?
1: Oh, that is a great question. So um, for whole blood, it's 500 milliliters or um, about a pint. So two cups, um, not a lot of blood, but um, it's actually enough to provide one dose of red cells and uh, a quarter dose of plasma. So um,
0: it's it's enough to save someone's life. And how long does it take the average person to recover? So you go in to donate, and maybe the donation takes about how long, and recovery for that takes about how long?
1: So... Um, Whole blood is the fastest, and um, the actual time in the chair with the needle in is fast. It's anywhere from five minutes, which is kind of a speed record, to 20 minutes, time in the chair, needle in, needle out. So I would say on average maybe about 10 minutes. Um, But the whole time is about an hour, and that includes time to answer all of the medical history questions, time for us to take your, your physical exam, and then most important, time to rest and recover after your donation, drinking some juice, water, coffee, or tea, and having a snack, making sure that you're okay before you head out for your
0: day. And you could drive yourself, if you feel good, go ahead and donate blood, and by the time you are finished having the juice or having the snack, you would be able to drive yourself to your next destination.
1: Absolutely. If you talk to most of our donors, um, what they say is, I just schedule it into my day. I do it before, um, if that's the best time, or I do it at the end, or I do it on my lunch hour. I make sure that it's convenient for
0: me, and it works. And there's no certain food that you can't eat if you're going to be a blood donor? No. And you don't have to come fasting?
1: No. Um, It's actually best if you come when it's comfortable for you. I I would say probably not after you... Indulge on uh, the all-you-can-eat buffet, or uh, or the the three mega whoppers before, because um, believe it or not, your plasma can be um, what we call lipemic, so um, a little bit laden with those fat droplets, and um, that can actually interfere with some tests. So I would say, um, come when you're um, when you're comfortable when it works best for you. But um, if you've had your all you can eat buffet, just, you know, hold off for a little
0: bit. Well, I like the way you put that earlier. You said deferral. It's not you're rejected. It's just a deferral so that you could potentially donate at another time so that you don't feel as though it's one one time. And if it didn't work out, you will never return because we want people to know that their blood is absolutely appreciated. And you mentioned you donate about enough to be a pint, and so it's kind of like one unit of blood. That's right. So a
1: pint is actually yields a a unit or a dose of red cells and plasma besides. But, you know, with new technology, if you come to one of our blood mobiles, a pop-up donation center, or our Young Street or Dillingham facility, um, you will see machines. And the beauty of this new technology is uh, we can actually, um, you can donate more than one dose of a red cell, more than one dose of a platelet, but then what we don't need that day from the patient goes right back to you. So it's safe, it's very smooth, um, you feel good, and uh, and it can save up to five lives. Um, And then, like I said, whatever the patients don't need that day, go right back into your vein.
0: And if people want to find out more about where these locations are, where can they go to? BBH.org. All right. I want to thank you not just for sharing your expertise with us today, but for all you do to help save the lives of all of us here in the islands and all of the hard work that goes on behind the scenes at Blood Bank Hawaii. So thank you for what you do because it's saving lives for all of us. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and we will see you next week when we talk more on The Body Show. We will see you then.